Let's turn together in our Bibles to Psalm number 70. Somebody prayed, uh, somebody prayed for Larry tonight, and uh, he's not here, so I can go short. Okay, usually he tells me to go longer, uh, so I'm going to try to go short. I think I went a little bit too long this morning, but uh, so be it. Psalm 70, and it's only five verses, so that usually means, that usually means short, doesn't it? So uh, five verses, Psalm number 70. And this is another psalm that was written uh, to the choir master. There were, there were choirs that were, that were used uh, in the, the Old Testament tabernacle uh, and temple later on. So this is a psalm of David for the memorial offering. So it was sung uh, when an offering was, was uh, made. Verse 1, make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. We recognize those verses from our, our liturgy, our prayers. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor, who delight in my hurts. Let them turn back because of their shame, who say, Aha, aha, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God, you are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our gracious God stands forever. Uh, well, uh, prayer, as we think about this psalm tonight, prayer can be uh, very complicated. Um, we, we pray sometimes seemingly uh, what sounds or feels like contradictory things, don't we? Uh, so prayer is complicated. Uh, not my will, but yours be done, right? So we, we we pray from our will, right? We, we pray for things, we ask for things, and Jesus tells us to ask for things. Ask, seek not. Uh, the one, uh, uh, you have not because you ask not, right? So, uh, so we do pray, but yet not my will, but yours be done, right? Um, so prayer could be, kind of have that complication to it, right? We, we ask for things, but we know that sometimes those things aren't what God wants for us. So prayer could be, kind of complicated there. Uh, we also pray, as Jesus says, uh, Matthew 6, for example, we read this a couple of weeks ago in our, in our gospel reading uh, in the morning service, uh, that your Father already knows what you need. But do you know what else he says? He tells us to go into our little prayer closet and ask anyway, right? God, the Father, already knows what you need in advance. But yet there we are asking him Anyways, that seems kind of that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? I mean, it seems it might seem to us maybe as kids it might sound contradictory. You know, well, doesn't God already know? Doesn't God already know that I need this or or we need that? Yeah, He does. That's why He's God. Uh, but the amazing thing is, of course, He He asks us, He commands us, but He asks us as a heavenly Father. He asks us to ask anyway. Uh, because he uses our prayers. It helps us, and it also, it's one of the ways that God brings about his will in our life, uh, in our lives, by, uh, is by prayer. Uh, we also, we also are, are, are taught by Jesus uh, in that parable, the persistent widow. Uh, we, are, we are taught to continually, uh, persistently, perseveringly pray, right? Pray and keep asking. Be persistent like that widow was persistent in her prayers. And so we are to pray for things sort of with a long-term view, with a future view in mind. 
We've got to keep praying, got to keep praying, got to keep praying. But tonight, this prayer says, at the same time you're praying for things off into the future, constantly, persistently, be urgent. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. That's not very persistent. That's sort of right now, right? Urgent, here and now. So prayer can, can be uh, sort of a complicated thing uh, if you start to think about it. Well, here, uh, uh, Psalm 70 really continues what we saw last Sunday in, in Psalm number 69. Uh, in Psalm 69, if you just have your Bible there, if you weren't here, you can just turn there and just quickly, if you glance, it, you'll, you'll just notice really fast that that was a Psalm of David that was a Psalm out of, a, out of times of distress. Uh, he felt... Uh, anxious. He felt discouraged. Why? Because he was undergoing trials and, and persecutions. People were saying that he stole things that he didn't. People were chasing after him to kill him. They wanted to get him from going to the throne. They wanted to keep him off the throne once he got there. So he prayed with great distress, with great trials, out of great persecution, and he pleaded with God for help. He pleaded with God for help. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 69 again. Right? You see that exclamation mark there. Uh, these, are, these are prayers uh, of great urgency. Save me, O God. These are like commands, you know. Save me, O God. And so forth. But God hasn't helped him. That's Psalm 70. Save me, O God, but God hasn't helped him. God hasn't saved him yet. And so he prays again in Psalm 70. And he prays urgently. He prays urgently. In Psalm 69, he's praying. David is praying in a very specific... We don't know exactly the time when he prayed that prayer, but we know that it was a specific prayer uh, at a time in his life. Uh, but we can apply what he's praying. He's praying here against people who are, who are after him, right? His real enemies. We apply that as New Covenant Christians. We read the Psalms and we read about specific enemies and, you know, this guy and that guy. But we apply that in a more generic sense, a more spiritual sense, we might say. Uh, not against particular individuals, but we pray uh, against our three sworn enemies. The Heidelberg Catechism tells us that we have three sworn enemies. Do you know what those three sworn enemies are? The world, the flesh, and the devil. What, what's the world? So we, we can pray urgently because of or against right, the world. What's the world? I mean, does it mean the earth? Not, not Neptune? Is that what it means? Worldly things, cares, right? All the stuff right, that makes us sort of humans. And really, it's all the stuff that's opposed to God. All the things that are fallen, that... That, that, that resists, right, bowing their knees to Jesus. And all that stuff, it, it could be a person, right? It could be a, it could be a tyrant. It could be, uh, it could be a neighbor. It could just be sort of the, the general uh, way of the world, right? So Paul tells us not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. So all the stuff that makes up a fallen, sinful World, we, we need to pray urgently against that. Uh, the flesh, what's the flesh? The world, the flesh, and the devil. What, what's the flesh? 
self-centeredness, sinful. So it's not, it's not this, right? It's not, it's not the fact that I have skin and bones and muscles and sinews and, you know. It's not physicality. That's not what the flesh is. It's desire, right? It's sinful desires, right? So flesh is opposed to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So we are to, we are to pray not just about, you know, the world out there, but our own, our own sin. Right? We are led astray by, by desires, James 1 tells us. And the devil. Is there a real devil? Yes. Is, there, is there one being named Satan? Yes. He's real? Yes. So it seems weird that we pray against the devil when there's only one of them. And Is the devil omnipresent? Is he everywhere at once? No. Okay. So we're supposed to pray against the devil, but yet... There you go. Yeah, so there's the devil, there's all the fallen angels, right? And, and, they, and they're depicted in the Bible, uh, the devil like a roaring lion, right? Trying to devour us. Other times we're, taught, we're, we're told the devil has uh, flaming arrows, he's shooting at us. And there are these powers and spiritual principalities that are, that are somehow affecting the world and somehow intermixed with our own desires. So these are the enemies that we have. And like David here, we're to pray urgently, Pray urgently against these desires and to continue to pray, not just perseveringly, like Psalm 69, but urgently. God, help me. You see that there uh, in, in, the, in the commands here, in the, in the, uh, the imperatives, the, uh, the urgent petitions here. Make haste. Right? Verse 1, twice that, that little that, uh, verb is found. Uh, verse 5 again. Uh, when it's translated there, hasten to me, make haste. And then uh, it could be translated as hurry, right? There's an urgency to it. Come quickly, one translation says. So you and I need to pray urgently as God's children. To do what? What are we praying urgently to God for? To do what? Deliver, Right? Uh, rescue. It's the same exact word that's used in Psalm 69 when, when he also prayed for deliverance, uh, rescue, redemption uh, even. Uh, verse 5, uh, he's asking God to help him, right? You are my help, right? And my deliverer. Do not delay. Do not delay. So we're asking God to deliver us from the power of the world, of our own sinfulness, and even the devil, Satan, all his minions as they, they intermix, interplay, and inspire even behind the scenes, all these things. God help us. And so we need to pray with urgency. Pray urgently. Just like David did. Just like we're commanded to do uh, throughout the word. And, and just notice there, uh, there's, there's, there, 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 there's two big prayers here. Uh, urgent prayers for something that David is offering that encourage us to pray urgently as well. First of all, notice uh, urgent prayer for a reversing for those who seek your hurts. So there is an urgent prayer that God would turn and reverse whatever is happening against those who seek your hurt. That, that those, and David's sense was, was real people, it could be, again, the world, uh, could be your own sinfulness, could be the devil, could be all three, could be some combination of them. Let them... He prays. Notice those three let thems. Let them. So make haste, God. Urgently I'm asking you, 
That they would be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back. Right? That's that reversal. We're asking God to reverse. To turn around. And be brought to dishonor those who delight in my hurt. Let them again turn back because of their shame. Their shame or their... uh, uh, He's praying that they would be shamed or humiliated... Uh, confused, confounded. There's all lots, lots of different ways to translate these words. Uh, this language of confusion uh, that he prays there, verse uh, two again it speaks of uh, could be dishonor or uh, disgrace. Might they be, may, they be, may they be disgraced who are seeking after me? Uh, in other words, what David is praying there, and what we are to pray is that is that those who seek our hurt, whether it's the world, the flesh, the devil, that they might reap what they've sown. That they might reap what they've sown. I mean, isn't it the case that just in general life, general life principle is that um, we, we, we tell our kids, you know, kids that make fun of you, um, you know, kids that, that uh, you know, call you mean things or poke fun at you or, or they say things, they try to bring you down and tear you down and, bring, and, you know, demean you and so forth. Why do they do that? It's because there's something inside of them, right? That's not right. Um, that they do that, you know. I mean, we deal with that uh, in our house with with uh, their with other kids and so forth. But it's just a principle of life that people do those kinds of things, right? There's a hurt inside of them; they try to hurt others. Uh, and and so, you know, but David is saying, you know, may they reap what they've sown. May they reap what they've sown. May may they be confused. Uh, may they be shamed, um, dishonored, and so forth. But, you know, so turn it around, Lord. Turn it around back on them. But what's interesting about that prayer is this. So we are to pray urgently for a reversing for those who seek uh, your hurt, our hurt, my hurt. But what about Jesus' words to us? Love your enemies. What's the rest of that verse? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? So what about Jesus' words? So is all the Bible God's words? The word of God? Does the Bible here in Psalm 70 exemplify to us that we are to pray for those who seek to hurt us, that they would be shamed, confused, and turn back and so forth. At the same time, we're also commanded in the same Bible, the same Jesus, who is the, the, the greater son of David, the same Jesus who, by his Holy Spirit, is inspiring this prayer of David in Psalm 70, is the same Jesus who came on earth in the Gospels and, and said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So how do we bring those two things together? One answer might be, very popular answer. Well, you know, there's an Old Testament God, there's a New Testament God. Does that work? It doesn't quite work, right? Um, well, you know, maybe, maybe not so, you know, crass. Well, there's an Old Testament religion and there's a New Testament religion. Does that work? What's wrong with that? I mean, it seems like the Old Testament, a lot of blood and guts and gore and just a lot of anger, right? And New Testament, love, right? What, why doesn't that work? 
Yeah, it's same God, right? Same Lord revealing and so forth. So how do we bring these two things together? Well, I think one, one, uh, one uh, helpful way, uh, St. Augustine says in his sermon on this very psalm, uh, he, he's explaining what, what uh, I mentioned this last Sunday, you know, we call these kinds of prayers, when we, we ask God to do something, to, we, we call down God at time to bring judgments, we call it an imprecation, an imprecation. Um, so, so, so how do we understand Old Testament imprecations? And by the way, the, there are some in the New Testament as well. Uh, whenever you pray, thy kingdom come, you're, you're praying, right, this very thing. But how do we bring these two things together? And then Jesus saying to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, St. Augustine points out the fact that this is, what, this is exactly what happened to Saul of Tarsus on that road to Damascus. That he was seeking the hurt of Christians. He had letters in his hand to go grab them out of synagogues, to arrest them, to beat them, even to put them to death. He was right there when Stephen was stoned, wasn't he? And Augustine says that this is what happened to him. He was confused. He was brought to his knees. He was made to sit and stand, uh, to, to, to be prostrated down in awe at Jesus and his glory. Why? Here's how that great, uh, that great preacher of the ancient church brought these two things together. He says this, based on Psalm 7. For as long as they, speaking of the unbeliever, the, 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 in our case, the world, the flesh, the devil, whatever it is that's against us that seeks our hurt, as long as they are not confused and do not stand in awe, they must inevitably defend their actions. So, if God lets them continue in their action, like Saul persecuting Christians, like the world against you, the devil, your own sinful flesh, as long as those things are not confused and are not in awe of who God is, they're going to defend themselves. I'm doing what's right, right? But then he goes on to say this, for if they are confused, they will be converted. But they will never be converted except through prior confusion and feelings of awe. In other words, St. Augustine says you're to, you are to pray this very kind of prayer. God, turn around the hurt they are bringing against me on them because that's a, that's a prayer for their evangelism, for their evangelization. That's a prayer for their conversion. God, may the pain and shame and hurt and disgrace that they are trying to bring upon me and that, that my own sins are bringing upon me, may it all be turned back out. May they, may they uh, reap what they have sown so that they would be turned. Meaning, converted. Repentant. Sorrowful for their sins. May they, may they be confused in their opposition to Jesus Christ. May they be disgraced and dishonored. May they stand in awe of who you are, God, that you've turned away, that, that, that you've turned away uh, their assaults on me and you've turned it back on them in a miraculous way that they can only say, God has done this. And that's what David's praying here. He's praying for this urgent reversal of fortunes upon those who seek his hurt, that they might come to believe in the Lord. We may, not, we, we, we may have never thought of it that way, but that's, that's sort of the intuitive 
thing that we, that we pray. You know, when we pray for a loved one who, who doesn't know Jesus or who's walked away from Jesus. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a child is, who's born in the church and, and never comes back. When, when we pray, God, would you, would you save them? God, would you convert them? God, would you give them repentance? God, would you open up their eyes to see their sins? You know, we pray it in that sort of nice way. But that, that might mean in their situation, God, uh, you might have to blind this person, just like Saul, for them to eventually see who Jesus is. God, you might have to really bring them to a low point of being utterly disgraced in this life for them to recognize you are the Lord. So we pray it in a nice way. God, would you bring salvation to my household, to my friends, to my neighbors, my coworkers, and so forth. And this prayer is saying, sometimes that may not be as clean and nice and tidy as that. It might be really messy. God, turn around this situation so that they would be saved, so that you would be glorified. So we pray for that. Uh, it's urgent prayer that God reverse the situation for those who seek uh, your hurt. So that eventually they, together with you, pray to the Lord and uh, seek his good. And that's the second thing here. To urgently pray for rejoicing as you seek the Lord. So again, just like last, last Psalm, Psalm 69, as you're praying in the disgrace and, and the hurt and the pain, you're also praying urgently that you would rejoice in the middle of all that as you seek the Lord. Notice that in verse number four. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. At the same time, at the same time as they are, as, as they are seeking your hurt, you are to seek the Lord, David says. They're seeking after you. You're not seeking vengeance on them. No, you're seeking God. Because vengeance belongs to him, says the Lord. May all who seek you, notice that, seeking God. How do we seek God? I mean, isn't God everywhere at once? How far do you have to go to seek God? Nepal, maybe? Do, do, a, do, a, do, a, do a Buddhist retreat? Okay. Mecca, right? I mentioned this morning, you know, Rome, whatever it might be. Do we have to, how far do you have to go to find God? His word, right? His word. We saw this morning, right? Whenever the Lord was present with his promise, his word, there's the Lord, right? This is the house of God, the gate of, the gate of heaven, and so forth. Wherever the Lord's word is, his promises are, his gospel is, there he is. So, how far do you got to go then? He's right, he's with you, right? Romans 10, the, the word, you know, you don't have to ascend into heaven or descend into hell. What does the Lord say in his word? He says, the word is near you, in your mouth, Romans 10. May all who seek you, who pray to you, who desire you, uh, who wants to be in your presence, who wants that presence to bless. May all those who are like that rejoice. Rejoice and be glad in you. How can, how can we rejoice when people are seeking our hurt, our dishonor, who are delighting in our hurt? How can you rejoice in that? Doesn't Jesus tell us that we are to count it a blessing when people revile you and persecute you and so forth, be full of joy. If they persecuted me, they will surely persecute you, Jesus said. The student is not greater than his master. If the master was 
persecuted, so too you will be. And so you're identifying with Jesus in suffering. Rejoice. Rejoice. That's the very same thing he says in Psalm uh, 69, uh, verse 32. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. Let your hearts revive. And notice there, he says, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. Uh, It's the same thing in verse 3. So the enemies are saying of David, Aha, aha. But in this case, it's the one who is being persecuted who says something opposite, right? God. God is great. The world says one thing about us, but we don't say anything back. All we say is God is great. God is great. In Psalm 69, uh, at verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. That, That song is this. God is great. God is great. And so we are called to urgently pray. Pray for our circumstances, our persecution, our suffering, our struggling, our struggle with sin, the world's influence, the devil's assault, and we're to do so urgently that God would turn all that around. Why? To bring, to bring those to their knees, to know Jesus and to know his salvation too. And we are to, and while that's happening, urgently pray that you might rejoice and be glad in the Lord's providence, whatever it is that he's brought into your life, that it's, his, it's under his control. Uh, it's for the good of your salvation. Uh, John Newton was, a, was an English uh, uh, preacher, and he, um, he said this in one of, his, uh, one of his hymns to close. Lord, I cannot let thee go till a blessing thou bestow. Do not turn away thy face. Mine's an urgent, pressing case. Just like Jacob, right? Grabbing hold of God and asking for that blessing. The same for us. Once a sinner near despair sought thy mercy seat by prayer. Mercy heard and set him free. Lord, that mercy came to me. Many days have passed since then. Many changes I have seen. Yet have been upheld till now. Who could hold me up but thou? That was helped in every need. This emboldens me to plead. After so much mercy passed, canst thou let me sink at last? And finally he says this, No, I must maintain my hold. Tis thy goodness makes me bold. I can no denial take since I plead for Jesus' sake. Let's be urgent in our prayers, brothers and sisters, uh, for these things, but whatever it might be that we pray for, to be urgent urgent because we know that God hears us because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We ask for uh, your help tonight in our praying, in our earnestness. Pray for the lost, Lord, for those that we love and care for. Lord, even those who might be considered an enemy, persecutor, an opposer of Jesus and one who stands against us. We pray that you would turn, Lord, their situation around. And even at times, Lord, to bring them to great confusion, to bring them to clarity of who Jesus is. Help us, Lord, to be joyful in all circumstances, to count it all joy 
Lord, whatever your providence brings about, even the most uh, hard, uh, the greatest hardships of life, help us to count it all joy. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, send us out now with the blessing of your Holy Spirit to serve you this week and whatever it is that you call us to do. We ask all this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, Amen. Let's sing uh, this psalm. There's a, a rendition of it in our hymnal. And uh, turning there together, it's uh, number 70.